0: As I begin the message this afternoon, I want to thank a special person here, and that is my aunt, the Reverend Dr. Alice Rogers, who is with us, and um, she, if if you don't know, my aunt is a a district superintendent in the United Methodist Church, which means she oversees hundreds of churches in the Gainesville area of Georgia and up in the mountains, and she is actually here tonight, um, not only as a family member, but also as a backup preacher, And now, it's not every week I have a backup preacher sitting in the congregation ready to go with a sermon in hand. Um, And it's not every week when you have a backup preacher. They have decades more preaching experience than you do. But tonight, I have a backup preacher because if you're not aware, my wife Emily is 38 weeks and a few days pregnant. So... (laughs) She'll take the applause. So, if you're not familiar with, like... Pregnancy lingo and stuff, 38 weeks pregnant basically means the baby could come at any moment. Um, The baby could come tonight. The baby could come in two weeks. We just don't know. So, uh, Alice, thank you for being here tonight and for uh, being available for us. And, um, you know, when we first found out that we were having a a baby, a son, this is him right now. This is like the latest picture we have of him. Um, When we found out we were having a son, quickly things began to change in our lives. And one of the things that changed if you have a child in your life or a grandchild is our financial situation. Um, I mean, as you know, children can be expensive. I mean, you gotta get diapers, you gotta get wipes, you have to get stuff for the nursery, and then bottles, bottle bag, bottle warmer, bottle sanitizer, bottle brush, bottle drying rack. I mean, there's all sorts of baby gear, and so it can quickly add up. And so, you know, financial stuff changes when you have a baby, but not only that, one of the things we've been reflecting on is that our conversations with people have begun to change. It used to be around this time of the year, people would ask us, you know, are you going to Nashville to be with family and the in-laws? Are you going to go to downtown Atlanta for New Year's and and ring in with a big party somewhere? But now people don't ask us things like that anymore. Now people only ask really two questions. One, how is Emily feeling? (laughs) Two, are you ready? And so the first question, I usually just want to say she's feeling 38 weeks pregnant. And if you've ever been there, you know. And to the second one, when people ask, are you ready? I'll always just think, I mean, how can you truly be ready for something, a great gift that's going to come into our lives? How can you truly be ready for a gift that's really going to change everything? Because, I mean, our son, he's not only going to change finances, schedule, Sleep schedule, energy activities, and everything else. I mean, he's really going to change our future. And if you're in here and you have a child, or maybe you have a sibling or a niece or a nephew in your life, you know that a baby can change everything. I mean, how many people in here are the oldest in your family or maybe a middle child, oldest and middle children? Okay, I don't know how many of you remember. Do you remember what it was like when your younger sibling came home from the hospital and the attention was taken away from you? How many of you are youngest children in here? Anybody? See, we don't know that feeling because it's always been about us. (laughs) It's always been about us and we love the attention. But bringing a baby into a family can change the dynamics. Or maybe you've had a friend who's had a child and maybe it strengthened your relationship as you bonded and were able to talk about different things. Or maybe it kind of strained the relationship as schedules went different ways. In one of the showers Emily had, they had people fill out cards with wisdom for new parents. And I was going through them this week, kind of preparing for the arrival of our son and looking at the different advice. And if I could sum up all the advice on the cards, it basically came down to a few things. The big idea was a baby is gonna change everything in your life. So first, breathe. Second, know that things aren't gonna go according to your plan. And third, trust God in the process, knowing that God will give you what you need as you need it. And so this December, I've been thinking about that wisdom and about Mary and her journey, her pregnancy. And I've been thinking, I wonder if friends and family gave her a lot of wisdom and advice along the way. Because if you look in Luke chapter 1 at Luke's account of Jesus' life, we find out that as soon as Mary found out that she was with child, a child that had been conceived by the Holy Spirit, pretty much immediately she went to her cousin Elizabeth's house, a family member. And now Elizabeth, if you remember, just found out she was pregnant with a child of her own. And that's a whole other supernatural, miraculous story. And so Elizabeth finds out she's pregnant. Mary finds out she's pregnant. And so I imagine that as they spent months together, that they reflected on all the changes that were going on in their lives, changes in their body, changes in their future, just reflecting on everything that was to come. And it's right after Mary leaves Elizabeth's house that we come to Luke chapter two, a scripture passage that you might've heard read Many times, And and this is the passage that I want to read together this evening. Luke chapter 2. Here's what he writes. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So, If you look back to this story, Luke kind of talks about the events like it was a pretty ordinary thing happening. There was a census. It was mandated by the government. There was probably people waiting in long lines and and just trying trying to figure out all the red tape and get counted and everything. But we know because Mary was with child, that this journey to Bethlehem to go and do this very routine, that this was nothing routine for her. That, I mean, this journey would have been a hard journey. As, as she's eight, nine months pregnant, walking that great distance to Bethlehem. Maybe she had a break every once in a while on a donkey. We don't know. And then Luke, when he writes about it, he makes it sound like the birth was pretty simple. I mean, he leaves out most of the details. He just says this. While there, the time came for the baby to be born and she gave birth, right? It's like, that's, that's easy. But then he adds one small detail that lets us know that this was not an easy situation, this wasn't a routine situation. Things did not go according to plan. Because he says this, he says, The baby was placed in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. There was no guest room available for them. And so I can't even imagine being Mary and Joseph in this situation. She's about to give birth. They're trying to find somewhere to have the baby, somewhere safe, somewhere they can just rest and relax. They're knocking on doors. Nobody has room. Nobody has space available. And and so they end up in this this guest room, in this, this back area somewhere. And I can't imagine the feeling... Mary, after she gave birth, she's given birth to this son, Jesus, the Christ, and she has nowhere to lay him except a manger. And now, we can become desensitized to this because we just think a manger is part of the Christmas story, but it wasn't normal for people to place their babies in mangers because mangers were basically feeding troughs for animals. And so here she is, placing her baby wrapped in swaddling clothes in this Feeding trust. I can't imagine the feeling that she would have had as she did that, but I can't imagine the feeling she had as she just held that little boy in her arms, as she thought about his future, as she experienced this sense of awe, and she thought about all the changes that were to come. I mean, can't you just see her holding the little baby Jesus? And as she's thinking about all these things and how he's going to change everything, she quickly finds out that that's the case because some shepherds show up really uninvited by Mary and Joseph to the place of his birth. And shepherds back then, they were basically the lowest class of society. They were very dirty people they worked outside they lived outside they worked with sheep and just like a mom probably wouldn't want them coming in the, uh, the the birthing room today mary and joseph probably weren't really expecting them and wanting them touching the baby and being around the baby but they come there and they say mary this is the sign that we've been looking for an angel came to us in the middle of the night and said, today in the town of David, a savior has been born. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And he's going to change everything. And I imagine that as those shepherds looked at the baby, maybe took him in their arms, that they experienced that same feeling of awe. That this baby was going to change everything. And when you look at Luke's words, he adds this interesting detail in verse 19. He says, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And so we get this image of Mary sitting there with the baby Jesus, reflecting on everything that's taken place, probably looking back to the annunciation when an angel came to her and told her that she's gonna give birth to a son, not just any son, the son of God. She's probably thinking back to when An angel came and visited Joseph and told him that Mary was going to have a son and they should name him Jesus because he's going to forgive people of their sins. She's probably reflecting on this message that the angels gave to the shepherds, thinking about how everything was going to change. And as she's pondering all of these things, the shepherds quickly run off. They quickly go And as we sang earlier, they quickly tell everybody they encounter about this baby who has come into this world. This baby whose name is Jesus, who is called Emmanuel, God with us. And as the shepherds go and tell other people about this baby, things begin to change. And particularly one thing that began to change was how people perceived God and viewed God because people back then, a lot of them like people do now, kind of had this view of God, that God is far off, that God is distant, that God's not necessarily interested in everything going on in our world. Maybe just like set it in motion and just kind of let it be. I mean, there were people who thought that, but then when they learned that that Jesus was Emmanuel, he was God with us, they learned that God wasn't far away and distant. No, God had come near. God wasn't some far off, holy, set apart being who, who would never come into our world. God was not only infinitely holy, he was also infinitely loving. They learned that this God, he wasn't distant from our world and he wasn't a God who didn't know everything going on. He was a God who was willing to humble himself empty himself and step into the mess of our world so that we could experience his love so people's perceptions began to change but not only did their perceptions began to change as he grew older people began to realize that this prophet he's not just like other prophets in the world this isn't just another prophet who's come to tell us how to find God This is God who's come to find us, who's come to befriend us, who's come to restore the relationship that was broken by our sin. This is God who has come and done something so loving, something we couldn't do for ourselves. He has come to rescue us. And then after he died on a cross and after he rose again, the early Christians really began to understand the extent of change that had happened when Jesus arrived in this world because they learned that sin had been forgiven death had been defeated light had conquered the darkness and they knew everything had changed and so they didn't sit around as e stanley jones a great methodist missionary says he says they didn't just sit around wringing their hands saying you know what look what the world has come to no instead the early christians they sat around worshiping and glorifying god saying look what has come to the world Look, what has come to the world. Everything has changed. And for those early Christians, everything did begin to change. They began to feed the hungry. They began to to not spend as much money on themselves, but share it with other people in need. They began to clothe the naked, to heal the sick. They began starting hospitals. They saw that Jesus loved the little children, and so they began valuing children in society. They began lifting up women in society. They began caring for one another, loving one another, forgiving their enemies. They began living radically different lives. And for the last 2,000 years, Jesus Christ, this king who was born as a baby, has continued to change lives all over the world. This baby, Jesus, He changed the world. And the good news I want you to hear this afternoon is that he not only changed the entire trajectory of the world, but I want you to know he also wants to change your world, your life, your trajectory as well. So also here tonight, a special guest are my in-laws, they they came in last night, and we don't have a lot of big plans for Christmas, because we're just kind of laying low, doing basic things, eating and watching TV. But one of the things that is on our agenda this Christmas is to get the nursery ready. Because we, we used to have a guest room, and our guest room was one of those rooms where when people came over, you could just throw all your junk in there and shut the door. Does anybody have a room like that? That's changed now. We don't have that room anymore. <laughs> so for the last few weeks we've been going through, we've been taking out the garbage, selling stuff, getting rid of stuff, donating stuff, getting everything set up, putting stuff on the walls. And we've, we've been preparing this room, preparing this, this space for the arrival of our son because we feel like it's important for him as we welcome him into our lives that he has a place. And when it comes to Jesus, it's kind of similar. I mean, Jesus, he wants a place in each of our lives. He wants to enter into our lives. He wants us to experience his love, his forgiveness, his grace. He wants us to have a living relationship with him now and in eternity. And one thing about Jesus is he doesn't require us to make all these changes and get everything in order and and get everything cleaned up before he, he comes and lives in our lives. He doesn't require us to have some great knowledge of the Bible or have everything figured out for our future. The only thing Jesus requires is that we make space for him. As we sang earlier, we prepare room for him. And then we welcome him. And throughout the Bible, we find that that when we invite Jesus to come into our lives, when we invite this baby who grew up to be the king of kings, when we invite him to come and make a home in us, the scripture says that the Holy Spirit will come and will fill us, and Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit will change us from the inside out. And so this Christmas, I simply wanna leave you with these two questions. Number one, this Christmas, would you be willing to prepare a little space in your heart for Jesus? And the second question is, will you welcome him in and let him change you? It's not something you have to do yourself. It's not something you have to do on your own. He alone has the power to change everything. So let's pray now and ask God to make that so.